We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Happy Sunday. It's cold outside, but uh, Jesus is risen. He's never going to die again. A little something to warm your hearts. Uh, this is a community that loves Jesus. Huh? Um, that's our great joy, that he is risen, and um, that we get to walk with him in this mysterious way of friendship, of love. We get to know God uh, through him. We, get, we receive the Holy Spirit from him. Um, we walk with Jesus, and that's our, that's our great privilege. Um, the, the psalm today, the refrain was something like, uh, Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have a short, uh, bad short-term memory. Um, it, is, it is life to give thanks to God. It is life to give praise to God, to keep our eyes set on him. It is good. It's what makes us peaceful. It's what makes us happy um, to serve Jesus. I've been listening to country music on um, HD... 298.5 KYGO. I recommend it. Uh, it's old country. And if they're not talking about like despairing over their truck or their dog or their, um, I don't know, drinking a lot, then they are, they have this really sweet motif of talking about how they're trying to, to woo their beloved. And it's like a guy is singing about how he wants to. He wants to, 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 to win over the love of this woman because uh, it will make him happy for the rest of his life to every day tell her how much he loves her, tell her she's beautiful, and to serve her. Oh, it's pretty cute, no? <laughs> it's idealistic, um, but it's beautiful, and it expresses something of our uh, joy, the joy of love. Um, the kind of joy that we can have in our walk with God. That through Jesus, it becomes our joy to praise him, to honor him, to serve him, uh, to spend every day telling God, um, I love you, showing God that we love God. Um, and really, in the end, learning that all of our attempts to love, um, our weak attempts, our limited attempts to love perfectly, are unmatched um, compared to the love of the other. That in fact, we are being loved, honored, served by that, that God in an in a incredible way. I don't know if you think of it this way, but I don't often, that God wakes up every morning and says, how can I love and serve you? Now, he doesn't have morning, but I don't know. It's a, it's a metaphor. <laughs> uh, but the love is true. No? And he has, he's, he's, he's served us well. He's saved us um, from the destruction of ourselves and of our world and uh, our own fallenness. He's rescued us with his resurrection. And now we live with him. We live a different kind of life. And that's what the second reading talked about. We live a life of immortality because we have been baptized, we have died with Jesus, and we have risen with Jesus. And now our life is different. Um, life on the other side 
a life that most of us didn't know very much because, uh, well, I was baptized when I was a little, little baby. I don't even remember it. Um, but on the other side, we know, and we get a little taste of this. We, get, we live in something of the shadow of that old Adam, um, that uh, life is something about, like, survival, taking care of yourself, desperately grasping for happiness here and there, trying to make it through. I mean, think of it. If you lived in the fear of death, if you knew that death was your end, then you have to frantically live life as though um, you, don't, you don't get another day. No? I think some people think that this is, this is good. And in the, in the tradition of the church, a lot of the saints dwell, uh, are kind of keep their mind on death, knowing that this is, uh, there's an urgency to life. But for the Christian, it's not, I have, to, I have to get all of the happiness that I can get and have all the experiences that I can have now because there's no chance after. Um, rather, it's, I'm going to live forever, and my happiness and my experiences, my joy, my love, um, the people that I will love and connect with is going to just be boundless and infinite on this other side. And now I have a chance um, to serve the Lord, to help him to draw this one that I love, to help him in his mission to draw as many hearts, to win over as many hearts as he can, to save souls. Well, that becomes part of our love. So our love is shown both in, in praise and prayer today. This is beautiful. I love Jesus, and I'm really happy that together we're praising him because I know it makes him smile. It makes, it makes him happy. Um, yeah. Is part of our prayer, part of our life. Um, and then uh, joining our, our acts of love, joining our life as much as we can to, um, to the will of God, to share in the mission of Jesus. Well, and that's not as, I mean, I, th- I think for a lot of Christians, that's as simple as you need to run around and tell everybody about this one that you love. Well, if you get an opportunity to tell, the, tell people about the one you love, that's great. You should do it. Um, I try to do that. But really, it's about a transformation of life. It's about surrendering a lot of our life to God. Um, that happens, I think, in a very powerful way, probably the most powerful way in the sacramental life of, of Catholics. You know? That we walk with God and receive his grace in the sacraments. Um, and he forms us. He transforms our life from this state of having to worry about ourselves, having to take care of ourselves constant like self-preoccupation into this whole mode of living um, for another, for the other, um, love of God and neighbor, right? Um, and expressed in lots of different ways. Okay, so the sacraments primarily, but then there's also prayer, personal prayer, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Jesus talks in the, um, in the gospel today about a good tree and a bad tree, a good tree bearing good fruit, and a bad tree bearing bad fruit. And he also talks about the potential that people are delusional. I met this guy, I used to hang out at the Broadway Assistance Center, the soup kitchen, when I was in high school, and there was a guy who always introduced himself. He says, hello, Mike, I'm Sean Connery. And then he would go into this sort of like 007 bit, and I loved it. I really liked that guy. Um, I kind of miss him. I'd like to run into him sometime soon. 
Um, but he was delusional. He was not Sean Connery. Uh, but he was living in that mode. Um, something, this is the sort of false thing that helped him to sort of survive, you know, to make his way, to, to feel uh, at peace or happier with his life, no? So Jesus says there's a potential that we're hypocrites. And that's, that word has become very harsh. Uh, it's got a lot of connotation, you know. Um, that's something very fearful for us. But at the time, it was, it was pretty neutral. It's just a metaphor that comes from Greek theater. A hypocrite is an actor. It's a Greek word for actor. And if you know Greek theater or you've seen this, these images in um, popular media, they have, uh, they have these masks. And the masks have exaggerated faces on them either like this huge clown smile for a happy actor or this terrible frown for the sad actor in, in, in the tragedy, um, sometimes shock or amazement. Uh, these masks would hide the reality of the actor's whatever, their, their, um, their real emotion, their real place, their real heart, and allow them to act a part. Well, and Jesus says, well, this is a temptation for people, that they're hypocrites, um, that we can be hypocrites, that we can put on an act rather than just being ourselves." And I think one of the disturbing ways I see this happening among Catholics and in myself is that um, there's this Catholic guilt thing, you know? Do you know about that? Have you heard of that? Have you ever felt that? So we're fallen, and then we follow a master who is perfect. And when you're watching that, in the mirror, you tend, tend to feel your own, the weight of your own fallenness and your own weakness and your own faults. Um, we're called to a, a sort of searching of ourselves that exposes us to real, real fault, real weakness, uh, real problems in ourselves. But a lot of people stop there with the searching, and that's the shame. Um, because if you stop there, it's kind of like, um, I'll use Freud's image of the iceberg, that on the top it's all bright and beautiful. It's kind of the facade. And then he calls everything underneath, and he says most of life is underneath this subconscious. And he says that your subconscious is terribly dark and messed up and broken and all this stuff. Um, and from the perspective of the top, if you look down into the water, it is dark. It's scary. And there's a lot there. But if you, if you plunge it into the water and you see it from there, it looks like from the top. It's bright. It's beautiful. It's uh, spectacular. And it's grand. It's huge. And I think all too often, because of the fall, because we know this stuff is real and we don't want to admit that we have real faults, real weaknesses... Um, we look just long enough to see from the surface and don't go deeper. But if we do, Jesus says, and then, and then you end up wearing this sort of sad-faced Catholic um, through your life. And you really see yourself that way. It's sort of like I'm just kind of stumbling. I hope, you know, I say this too. Like I'm just hoping to get to heaven. Um, but that's denying. Paul says don't, don't deprive the cross of its power. You have been saved, and not by your own doing. 
You have been given the grace of God, been filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been transformed. And the Christian life makes us look at that, at that uh, reality underneath, look at our heart. But you can't walk around. It's, it's fake. It's false to walk around thinking, I am um, this terrible person, mostly. There's a little bit of, like, you know, brightness, and Jesus is working there, and, um, and that's what I like to show people and myself. Um, but Jesus invites us to look deeper, to, do, to search deeper. And, um, and if, we, if we do that, our life is transformed. Because we don't worry about having to, I'm going to fix all those little problems um, and spend my whole life doing that. But we recognize the wealth of goodness and beauty and dignity that we have. And we're at peace with the, pro- the little problems because they have, there's perspective. This, it really is just a little bit. Um, even though it feels terrible, we don't like to sin. We don't like to hurt people. We don't like to hurt ourselves for good reason. And we won't in heaven. But for now, we aren't perfect. Um, but we're very, very good. So prayer is the invitation to, well, first, to let go of the sin, to recognize those things in our life that we do that we don't like, to be honest about that, and then to say, Jesus, help me if you can. Help me if you will. Um, And then to plunge deeper, to go with Jesus and go with the Holy Spirit into this journey of ourself to see the profound beauty and the wealth of gift that we have received. Um, yeah, so we're invited into prayer, and uh, that transforms our life and uh, it turns it into this love affair with God and with the people around us. Um, I suggest that you pick a, a master of prayer, that every Catholic has a master of prayer that they're following, um, mostly saints. Uh, you could take any of the great doctors of the spiritual life, of prayer. Um, think of, think of uh, St. Benedict. He's got a way of prayer that's, that he built uh, a rule of life that involves daily prayer at regular times, praising God with the Psalms especially, um, an attention to community, really living in community and loving those people around you, a commitment to those people. It's not running around the world, fix, you know, like, saving everybody and evangelize. It's really commitment to the, to the core, the people, the community. Um, and then it's hospitality. He was always about inviting people in and letting them share the joy of that community. That's the Benedictine way. You could take the Franciscan way. That's to be really little, to be poor, to be simple, um, to evangelize the world, to, 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 to rejoice and live in the good news of Jesus, and then to try to Proclaim that to other people with your life and your joy. Um, if you're into nature, if you're into um, singing, that might be good for you. Francis, no? Uh, you have the way of Teresa of Avila and uh, the Carmelites. There's great Spanish Carmelites, Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross. Their way was a way of contemplative prayer, spending a lot of time in meditation and walking the way with Jesus, um, it's, it's uh, very emotional. It's pouring out your love for Jesus. It's receiving his love. Um, Teresa has a sort of way of nada. It's kind of rejecting the things we're attached to and the, our impressions, our false impressions about the world, ourselves, and about God. 
and seeking in the very, very quiet um, silence and darkness of life and in, in our hearts um, and in our prayer, the, uh, the path toward God. So she talks about a, um, a spiritual mansion, this interior castle, where you can explore different parts of your heart, different places, and go there with God and meet God there. Um, it's a beautiful way. You know? Therese of Lisieux was a, another Carmelite, um, this a doctor of the church for her. Her way of, of prayer, which is uh, the, called the little way, is to love um, with great love. Do little things with great love. That's the, that's the thing. Do little things with great love. That is, recognize your littleness. Um, pray little prayers. Um, do little things. Recognize that you don't have to be, um, I don't know, ambitious, except in, in the quality of um, what you're giving, your gift. Um, this deep prayer. Do little things with great love. Now, my master is... Um, St. Ignatius of Loyola. I went to um, Regis High School and um, grew up with this Ignatian way. In the seminary, we were formed in the Ignatian way. So that's kind of what I know, and I want to share a couple of principles from Ignatius's way. Is that all right? So Ignatius says, um, in order to grow in the spiritual life and to have a, a prayer life, you need to first recognize the, um, the proper end of the spiritual life and of your life. And he says, it, he says it this way. Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. So he says, set that goal uh, on your mind and on your wall, in your heart, that this is, this is the goal of your prayer. And this will always be the goal of your prayer, to praise to, to, to receive the Lord's grace and trans, transformation for the sake of um, praising, reverencing, and serving God our Lord. And by this means saving your soul. Okay, so set up, he says, set up this, um, this goal. And then he recommends this month-long silent retreat where he takes uh, the, the, um, the person of prayer through a week of meditation on the creation and on the fall and on hell you get to the point where you say, um, I can see and, and describe my own hell. I can see where my sin, my particular sin, is different for every person, would lead to death and destruction of life and um, a resentment toward God that would be eternal. Well, I know my hell. And then he, that gives you an appreciation for the, sa for the fact that you have been saved. You don't stay there. You only, you only meditate that far in week one. Then, then you, you reflect over the, um, the person that has saved you, this Jesus, your king. For him, he loves military language, and he likes kingdom language. So Jesus the king, and you follow him through his life. Um, and during the long retreat, this is um, a month of every day making five, hour, five hours of meditation, five different meditations, um, an, hour, an hour long each. You're uh, reflecting on, on Jesus and on who he is and then dedicating yourself at different steps to serving him. I will follow and serve this king that I love uh, that has invited me and given me dignity by inviting me to follow him. Um, finally, it moves toward, in the direction of a dispossession of all of the things that distract us from praise, reverencing, and serving the Lord. Um, and he, he recommends that a person 
spend a great deal of time counting up all of the things that he has, or he or she has, um, that all of our possessions are meant to be given to God. But he doesn't think this is just like stuff. He, Ignatius didn't have a lot of stuff, and stuff for him wasn't that, a very big deal. Um, he says, once you detach from that, that's easy. But it's really the spiritual thing. So here's his prayer. At the end of the, at the, end of the exercises, he wants a person to pray very freely and fully this prayer called the Sushipe. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and possess. Thou hast given all to me. To thee, O Lord, I return it. All is thine. Dispose of it wholly according to thy will. Give me thy love and thy grace, for this is sufficient for me. Just love and grace and breath. You know? um, that's the goal. This is sufficient for me. You know? And then you'll return that. And everything else is a gift that can be given back to Jesus. And when he's saying liberty, memory, and understanding, he, he invites his, the, the person who is following in this way to um, carefully search out all of those things that are related to liberty, memory, and understanding and to give them, hand them over to Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a very profound experience to go through your life and to recognize all of the things that you have that you've been given, um, and then to give them back to Jesus. You can have my time. You can have my health. You can have my desires. I don't need to want anything. I just receive whatever you have for me. Um, and to be very specific about those things. So uh, my recommendation, if you want to take this way, and I, I think this is a very good way. If you want to learn about yourself, if you want to know what's underneath the mask. Um, you're not a bad person. You're not. Um, you're going to find out that you are the good tree in the story. It's true. That your life is bearing much good fruit. And if you worry about maybe I'm not, maybe I'm the bad tree, I've seen myself fail, seen myself sin, um, then take an inventory of what you have and what you've been given. Um, and then start giving things back to Jesus. You know? Every good memory, every bad memory, every friendship that you've ever had, every love that you've received, every relationship of, um, where you've had some sort of profound encounter with a person, even if you've hated them or resented them, um, everything is an experience that has been somehow relates to providence in our life. Um, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised by how much good the Lord has given you, and um, it's, a, it's a very beautiful thing. Um, I want you to know how good your lives are. I want you to know the good fruit. Sometimes it feels a little bit like we're um, the thorn bush, but I think a better, a better image for, uh, for, for, for most is like a rose. That if you, it does have the spikes, it can hurt, people. It kind of protects itself, but it's incredibly beautiful. And if you focus on the one side, then you, you, get, you get worried about the world. And if you focus on the other, then you'll recognize your life as a gift, um, a gift of love to God and to others um, that can be given in every moment. So uh, we've been invited to something very beautiful, a beautiful life, and uh, we give thanks to God for that in, with this Eucharist.